conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm awesome! I'm so <laughs> excited to be here. Woohoo! Welcome back to Southern Fried Girlfriends! Welcome back! Okay, nobody oh wants God, me to do that. Let <laughs> <laughs> stop. Uh, I am... And I also just showed my age, because... Oh. <laughs> Is that Welcome Back Cotter? It is. I my age. <laughs> For y'all who don't know, Dee and I are the same age. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, just None of your don't business. even worry about it. Uh, I am so excited to be back with you, and I'm so excited to be back in the studio and to talk about health and nutrition. This is my favorite topic, bar none. So food, nutrition, all areas of health, and we have an incredible lineup of topics coming up for 2019 with guests that are experts in their field or who've overcome incredible challenges and obstacles or who are advocating for women and children, and we are going to be sharing all kinds of encouragement with Absolutely. our listeners. Absolutely. You guys are going to love it. Yeah. And some of these topics are going to be like really, really challenging, hard topics, right? Kind of heavy. Kind of heavy. And that, and so I hope you guys are ready for that. You know, sometimes we're going to talk about silly, fun things. And today is going to be one of those where we're going to laugh a lot. <laughs> but I think even with the heavy topics, uh, the undercurrent is hope. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is absolutely 100%. I mean, I think if you listen back at season one and you you see some of the topics we talked about, like, like divorce and death and, you know, and disease and these are like yeah. and depression. I mean, really, really hard topics. But undercurrent, as you mentioned, is sort of underlying all of those topics is absolutely what do we do with this? Mm -hmm. You know, what can we do? Where's mm -hmm. the hope in this? What is the good in this? Because I think that's what our show is really all about. I hope so. Yeah. 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 And so what are you most excited about talking about this season? Oh, I don't know. I'm just open for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave, <laughs> I sent Dee the schedule um, earlier this week and she was just like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> like all of the topics that you mentioned were amazing. Oh. I think we'll have lots of great conversation yeah. about it. So I'm just open for everything. Yay. What about you? What are you excited about? Oh my about? gosh. Well, you know, I mean, as a dietitian, I'm super like jacked up about all the nutrition stuff because mm -hmm. I was really like, I really want to bring in some more nutrition. Think about it expand on some of these myths and misinformation. I mean, you know, for me, like that's my favorite thing as a dietitian is to help people um, sort through the clutter because, man, there's so much out there on nutrition. And we're early in the year, right? So we're right. recording in January. This is going to release the first week of February. And it's this, this is the time of year when it's just like the clamor is, oh, <laughs> it's, it's so loud. It's so loud. And the other thing is that that's part of the reason why we started the show was yeah. to kind of take some of this misinformation and make it, make the true, real information accessible to exactly. people. Exactly. Easy to understand. Yes. Exactly. And I think, you know, that to me is um, why I became a dietitian. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's helpful to understand. And, you know, th there are people out there who call themselves nutritionists, you know, who focus on food and nutrition, and they make a lot of claims and they say a lot of things. And some of them are doing a great job and some of them have good information. Mm -hmm. But a whole, 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 whole lot of them <laughs> 
don't. A lot of them, you know, claim to be nutritionists or nutrition experts, but what they're saying has no basis in evidence. Sometimes they're sharing their experiences, which are interesting, and I am always like the individual. You are so funny. They're interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think you know, I've said this to you before. Like to me, as a dietitian, as a clinician, as a you know, a nutrition counselor, I always think like you know, n equals one is not research, but mm-hmm. it's not nothing, you know. And the person who's gone through whatever they've gone through, like they're an expert on their condition. They know their body. They know their symptoms. They know what works for them and what doesn't. And you should never, ever discard that. So wherever, you know, I think as a dietitian, sometimes people think like you're the food police and you're going to tell me everything I should do. And I'm not going to do that. I don't do that with my clients who pay me. Um, You know, (laughs) I I don't do that. You know, I, I think that what I do is I work with people to figure out what it is that works for them and what doesn't. You know, what are the things we can keep and what are the things we need to get rid of? Right. You know, and that has to do with food and nutrition and lifestyle. And I think, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there in the wellness world who have, you know, they, they, they want to point fingers and say, like, that person can't give you advice because they're, t- you know, they're, they have a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that they're selling supplements or <laughs> subscriptions or books or whatever. You know, they have a conflict of interest, like, too. like, you have one, too. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. So I think, you know, you have to be careful where you get your advice. Um, you have to be careful who you consider an expert in your life. And, you know, regist- registered dietitians, registered dietitian nutritionists, we're not immune to this. I mean, there, there are some that I think do a better job than others. And certainly there are people who, who have my credentials who mm-hmm. I would disagree with in a very strong way about some very specific things. But overall, you know, registered dietitians. <laughs> registered dietitians fight. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We disagree. I mean, you know, don't you think there are doctors who disagree with Dr. Oz? That's oh. Yeah, well. right. I mean, mm. right. But he's still got those MD credentials. That's true. Same thing happens with dietitians, mm. you know, and there are some people who um, are are in my same field who I disagree with, who say things or do things or promote things that I think are not evidence based. But they're the minority for sure. Mm. And the majority of dietitians, um, I think, do an amazing job representing the science, being really honest about you know, maybe this is something that they think could be helpful down the road, or maybe they think this is an emerging science, but they're honest about the fact that, hey, this is something that maybe there's not real great evidence for it yet, but I think it works. I've seen it work in my clients. You can try it, but know that maybe there's not great evidence. That's one right. thing, right? Um, but most most of us really lean into the science and say, okay, you know, yeah, there maybe is something interesting to that, but today I can tell you for sure if you do this, this is going to help you get to whatever your goal is, you know? I have a question. So I know that we've talked before about the difference between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Is there one credentialing, credential, you know what I'm trying to say, credentialing agency for registered dietitians? Yes. Is there one credential credentialing I can't why can't I say that word <laughs> one agency that credentials nutritionists no Okay. No. So register. So if you see RD, registered dietitian or registered dietitian nutritionist, you can be sure that they have gone through the schooling, the um, the testing and the continuing education in order to earn that credential. Mm. And that is like a minimum of a bachelor's degree, 900 to 1200 hours of or more of supervised practice working with other before they ever could practice on their own working under other dietitians. And they, we take a nationally recognized exam that tests 
us in all these different areas of our practice um, areas in order to ensure that we all have a base of knowledge. Gotcha. And then beyond that, we can do additional credentialing. There are board certifications in a number of other areas, weight management, um, cancer, sports, nutrition. Uh, diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. There, there are several different things that dietitians can do to earn additional credentialing. So if you're looking for somebody to help you in a specific area, the RD with that additional schooling, if you're an athlete or you're you want to be an elite athlete, then you should be working with a sports nutrition specialist, you know, somebody who's really got that expertise. If you've got diabetes, I will always tell you that you should see a certified diabetes educator. I'm not an expert in diabetes. I don't practice in that area. I have base knowledge. I can help, but I'm not the person who's going to help you. If you're really having a trouble managing your diabetes, I really recommend recommend that you see a certified diabetes educator. On the other hand, when it comes to the term nutritionist, nutritionist is not a regulated term. So anybody can call themselves a nutritionist and be, there's nothing illegal about that, right? So there's no legal definition for nutritionist. And that person might have gone to college and gotten a degree in nutrition and maybe they didn't want to become an RD. So they went a different path. You know, they did something different and now they call themselves a nutritionist, but they still have good basic knowledge and they might be able to provide you with really great information. Or it could be somebody who's done an online program who might've done 12 weeks of study online and then taken an online test and you know, that's, that's that. Now they're uh, nutritionists. Okay. So I think, you you know, you have to ask questions and there are some other professionals who, um, call themselves, who might call themselves nutritionists. You know, I see it a lot with chiropractors. Mm-hmm. They call themselves nutritionists or they give nutrition advice. And, you know, that may not be the area, their area of expertise. You know, they may not have ever gotten really the education necessary in order to give evidence-based really, you know, reliable information on nutrition as especially when it comes to medical nutrition therapy so managing specific diseases so i definitely suggest looking for those rd credentials and know that you know if you are specifically looking for advice on your personal condition ask lots of questions you know don't trust any health influencer that you see on the internet <laughs> and i think also you know something that i've seen most recently is that when we hear information or advice that kind of is outside our own personal experience and what we believe to be true in that moment, there's a tendency to be like, well, they're, they're, they don't know what they're talking about instead of just really listening to what they're saying right. and looking for the study that they're right. basing their information on. Right. Just because it doesn't agree with your own personal current ideology does not automatically mean that it's false. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a great thing to say. And I think it's important as a dietitian too, for me, like, you know, I think that there are some solid things that we can say around nutrition that to me are evidence-based over and over. We've seen the research that supports these things and we should encourage people to do these certain things. And then there are things that are like, well, There's really not good evidence for that yet, but we've seen some positive things coming. And I think, you know, so there are some things and I have to be willing to to not have like what they call a sacred cow in my life, you know, about (laughs) I'm not willing to sacrifice that idea because the reality is there are lots of things I don't know, you mm-hmm. know, and there are lots of things we we don't know around nutrition. It's really, really hard to get good nutrition research done. Is it? Yeah. Really hard for Why? lots of reasons. Well, first of all, um, people lie a lot about what they eat. <laughs> 
So most of the time it's kind of self-reported. A lot of times it is. Yeah. So if we're just pulling together like data on what people are eating and behavioral patterns and those kinds of things, people lie a lot on food recalls. They just do. And it's not on purpose necessarily. Sometimes people just can't remember, you know, I can't remember what I ate last Wednesday. If you ask me today what I ate on Friday, I don't know what I ate on Friday. I don't remember, (laughs) you know, I, I mean, if you ask me, you know, how much of something I ate, I can estimate, but I don't. I, I'm probably better than the average person because <laughs> this is what I do but for a But you're not like weighing out right, every single thing exactly. you put in your mouth. So and the you average don't know. person doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the average person like underestimates the amount of food they eat. Mm-hmm. That's just true for most people. They, they just underestimate. Um, and, you know, and I think the other thing is like around food for a lot of people, there's like a, there's, there's a, this expectation of I should be eating fill in the blank. So if you ask me if I'm eating that, I'm going to tell you I'm eating it. I didn't have anything but like some grilled chicken breast <laughs> and some steamed vegetables. Yeah. I didn't put any oil on the vegetables. Uh-huh. Girl, you know, you put a whole bunch of butter on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had two sweet potato rolls on the side. Yeah. So, I mean, sweet I, potato rolls. Oh, my, my mother in law makes those. I've got, they are so good. Yeah. Wow. I dream about them. <laughs> So I digress. But I think that's one thing is like people, people, they, and I shouldn't say they lie. They're not accurate. You know, yeah. sometimes it's on purpose and sometimes it's not. And, you know, either way, we don't get good data from surveys. Um, the other, but we have it and we use it because it's all we have. Right? right. The other thing is that, you know, people are free living. Right. So I can't put you in a lab in, you know, in my office and keep you there for, I mean, not legally for like, (laughs) for like weeks at a time and feed you something specific and regulate your sleep and regulate your activities and regulate your stress level. You know, I can't do all of that with people. And so there's so many other factors that affect health besides food, right? So there's those things I mentioned, sleep and stress and exercise, but there's also genetics. So there's genetic variation between people and between genders, and all of that influences how food affects our health. So getting good nutrition research is expensive, and it's difficult, and it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. So, you know, we have some research on lots of different topics, lots of different areas, and it's interesting, and we should use it because it's what we have, but we also have to look at it all through a skeptical lens, recognizing that it's one piece of information in all of the information that we have on what is healthy eating. So I think, you know, with that lens, <laughs> I thought maybe we'd talk about some of the fun things that I'm seeing popping up Let's in the news. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so it's 2019 and we're starting the year and what is one of the biggest stories I'm seeing on TV and in the blogosphere it is it's got to be keto right no it's celery juice celery juice (laughs) no yes you can thank the goopers for this like this was on goop celery juice oh my gosh yes so oh goop that website okay okay do not use goop as a source for anything ever because (laughs) you cannot you cannot that is not medical advice trust me (laughs) it's not reliable (laughs) they have all kinds of things about you know rocks you should put in your jade egg or uh, anybody who tells you to put a rock in your in your hoo hoo is not. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
not somebody you should be asking for medical <laughs> advice. Trust me. Uh, but for real, so celery juice is like the new big trend right now. Um, you know, they're advocating for drinking copious amounts of celery juice or drinking it first thing in the morning, drinking, you know, 16 to 20 ounces of it to start your day and the cleansing benefits of celery juice. So cleansing what? What are we cleansing? I don't, <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, I think this goes right along with the detox cleanses, the juice cleanses, gotcha. that whole movement, you know, which I think um, is number one. There's no good evidence, you know, going mm -hmm. back to evidence. And I'm a big proponent of let's see what does the science say? Like, is there if there's evidence for it, let's consider it. But the reality is there is no good evidence that supports detoxing through juicing. So whether it's celery juice or carrot juice or, you know, whatever. Why did they land on celery juice? I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I will, I won't lie. I haven't done like a super deep dive on it okay. like, to figure out where it started. But I can tell you that there's no, I have looked for evidence and there's not any that I can find. So, I mean, I, I think d that doesn't mean that, you know, drinking juice, vegetable juice, fruit juice is necessarily a bad thing to do. It's not necessarily a bad thing to do, but there's nothing magic about it. You know, so whether you drink celery juice or you drink water with lemon juice in it in the morning, neither one of those are magic. <laughs> I don't have anything against either one either. You know, I don't, if you like it and you want to drink it, hey, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's not going to hurt you to do it. But, you know, for me as a dietitian, as a, somebody who's really interested in pursuing good health and best health, you know, I like to look at what does the evidence tell us about what works, what's most efficient, where can I put my attention and my money and my time toward that's going to have the biggest bang for my investment. And so outside of hydrating you, mm -hmm. is there anything that the celery juice is doing for you? It's probably giving you some uh, electrolytes. So so one of the things that we know that celery is pretty, pretty high in is sodium. So it's going to give you some sodium, some naturally occurring sodium, some other minerals, maybe some other vitamins. So it's going to provide you with something in that realm a little bit more than water. It's probably very low in calories as well. So if you're drinking it in, in place of... Or orange juice, then you're going to be getting less calories. And that might be a good thing, you know, if you need to reduce your calories, but you still want to drink something that has some flavor. Okay, that I can see that. Sure. But, but it's not going to like wring out your liver for no, you or <laughs> no, anybody flush who's, your kidneys. No, okay. No, I mean, they might say that though. They might say that, but I would say that anybody who's telling you that drinking juice is going to detox your body doesn't understand how your body works. So your kidney and your, your kidneys and your liver work Regardless of what you're eating and drinking, they're doing their job, removing toxins from your body. Now, are you making that job somehow easier if you're taking in less toxins? Well, yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? If the burden's lower, then your body can work more efficiently. That's a good thing. But are we walking around with so much toxin in our bodies that we need to somehow intervene? <laughs> Scrub it. <laughs> right. I mean, if, you're, if your liver and your kidneys aren't working, then you need to be seeing a medical professional about that. That's, and you will know and, if your liver or kidneys are not working. Yes. You will turn yellow and your eyes will turn yellow if your liver is not working pretty quickly. Um, you'll also feel really, really bad. And if your kidneys aren't working right, you'll start having uh, edema, so swelling and things you know, issues mm -hmm. with that. And if you, if you, if you aren't peeing, you need to be on dialysis. <laughs> <laughs> like, but if you are, let's say you, you can pee and you can poop and your and your skin is normal color, you're probably doing okay. But if you have concerns about that, then you should see your doctor, right? People on dialysis don't pee? Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Once they get to a certain place. <laughs> 
If your kidneys are completely non-functioning, then you're not creating urine. <laughs> My mind is blown. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I did not. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I, I don't know what I thought. Yeah. Your kidneys are what. Because what dialysis, makes, it replaces your kidneys. Yes. And it removes fluid. And they don't just take toxins out. They also take fluid out. See, I thought that they were just kind of taking your blood out and scrubbing it from the, what is that, uric acid uh -huh. or whatever, and then putting it back in your body. I didn't realize they were also reducing mm. the water. Yes. Huh. Yes. Yeah. Dialysis is an amazing thing. I mean, it is incredible. Dialysis is it's a, it's a life-saving process. So for people whose kidneys don't function or who have very minimal function, dialysis is life-saving and yeah. they need it. But you're not mimicking that by drinking celery juice. Yeah. You're not doing that. That's not happening. So I think, you know, that, that this idea that there's something we can drink in the way of juice or that we can buy, you know, at the grocery store and we drink it and all of a sudden our bodies are cleaner on the inside is kind of ridiculous. That's not but happening. It's so seductive because it's like, oh, <laughs> I can actually do something about the fact yeah. that I had two coconut margaritas last night. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I can yeah. drink the celery and yeah. it's going to like make my liver, my kidneys feel better yeah. about that alcohol that I had last yeah. night. And, you know, I have some control over yeah. it. I think that that's the underlying um, sort of impulse for most people, right? Yeah. Is is I can't, there's, and you know what I think the other thing too is like, we can't see what's going on on inside of our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. We can't see how our organs look and what's going on in there. We can't see that. And, you know, and, and that can be a little scary, right? Especially if we know we've been abusing our bodies in some way, whether it's from <laughs> inactivity or a little too much alcohol or whether it's, you know, or whether we, you know, lived on cheeseburgers for five years while we were in college. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, like, I think there's this, this drive to how do I reverse the damage that I did? Exactly. And you, you know, you can actually, there's good research that shows that good nutrition, really good nutrition, like really focused plant-based nutrition, especially, I think there's a doctor called Dean Ornish who's done some research um, around reversing heart disease, you know, mm. that has shown that a vegan diet can actually reverse heart disease. Well, is it the only way that you can reverse heart disease? I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I think that that shows that, you know, you there are ways that we can intervene even when our body has has had substantial damage that can reverse or stop disease in its track. And that is primarily through nutrition. So I think nutrition is incredibly powerful. What we eat has the ability to shape and change our health and support healing inside our bodies. But do I think that, you know, for the average person who adds juice to their regular diet, is it going to make a huge difference? No. <laughs> going to have this celery juice in the morning and then my Burger King for lunch <laughs> and my margarita with dinner. <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, I think that, you know, having realistic expectations is a really important part of that. So yeah. if you like juice, and I will be completely honest, I love juice. Not, not like, not like, uh, like sweet juices. I don't drink a lot of apple juice or orange juice. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with those in proper context. I like fresh juice, like freshly juiced vegetables. I like smoothies that include, you know, all kinds of fruits and vegetables. I just really like that kind of thing, but I don't eat them all the time. I don't drink them all the time. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not something I do every day. It's something I do 
regularly, probably a few times a week. Um, and I enjoy them, but I enjoy them in the context of an overall healthy diet. And that's the way I think that you can fit this kind of thing in. Okay. Yeah. So it ain't necessarily sexy, but it's <laughs> honest. <laughs> it's true. The other fun topic that I thought, the other big thing that I've been seeing is probiotics and prebiotics. And I think we did a show. We did. We did a show on this we already, did. a whole show. So if you want to learn more about that, go back and check it out. I'll find the um, show number and I'll put it on the show links from today's episode. Remind uh, me, though, what is a prebiotic? Yeah. So a prebiotic is the food for the probiotic. So gotcha. probiotics are bacteria, yeast, and microbes that have a positive benefit when we consume them. So um, so whether it's for digestive health or for um, some other, you know, kind of condition that you're taking or eating or you know, taking a supplement or eating foods that are high in probiotics, prebiotics help to support the the health of those probiotics. So you really so should be having both. If my probiotic is like my kombucha or yeah. my yogurt, what's a prebiotic? Prebiotic are going to be things that are high fiber, typically high in fiber, okay. certain kinds of fiber. So um, you can buy a lot of products now that have blend have both blended in, mm. um, and that's I think really interesting. So this is kind of the good news story. <laughs> I'm really excited to see so many any interesting products that are coming out on the market that are probiotics and prebiotics together, or that are just prebiotics that are supporting probiotic health. Um, we know that having a diverse and healthy microbiota, which is the all the microbes that live in the gut, having that diverse and healthy um, environment and, and sort of um, uh, colonization in the gut is really important. <laughs> I know that sounds super technical, but I don't know how to tell you another way. <laughs> no, just you said colonization and I see the British march again. Like, <laughs> that's just where my mind goes. <laughs> You've been reading a lot of history. Anyway, so I think, you know, I think it's, I think that we know that that is beneficial, mm. right? So it's been tied to all kinds of things like reduced infl inflammatory markers and, um, improvements in digestion and reduced risk for like allergies. And so there are lots of really cool things that I think we know about this, but caveat, there's also a lot we don't know. So we don't know what is an, ex what is like a perfect environment? What's the perfect makeup of a healthy microbiota? And is it different from person to person and location to location? Is it different based on our, our, um, our gender? Is it different based on ethnicity? We don't know any of that. And I think that there, we know that there are some differences, mm. but we don't really know what's like the best uh, for it or is it the best for you is different than the best for me. And if that's true, then how can taking one specific probiotic make a difference for you and me? Or for all of us, you know what I mean? So I think the cool thing about probiotics and prebiotics is that um, we know there's some benefit. So I think eating probiotic foods is a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. We know that those foods fit really well into overall healthy patterns. So things like yogurt and kefir and um, kombucha even. I mean, I think those are foods that can help support a good, healthy gut microbiota. Um, I don't think they're magic. It's like sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. Yeah. There? Fermented okay. vegetables. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Now, one thing about fermented vegetables that's important is it has to be like live fermented vegetables. And so what I mean is if you buy sauerkraut in a can or a jar that's been heat processed, it's not going to be active anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So you can eat it and it tastes good and it's high in acid and there's some benefits from that, but it's not going to have those live bacteria in it. Oh, okay. So I got to make it on my counter or? Yeah, you can make it on your counter or actually there's some companies. I was joking. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Because you know I got stuff growing on my counter. (laughs) My husband asked me the other day, is this a science experiment? (laughs) What is this? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, But no, there's some companies out there that have like refrigerated products that are live. Um, Okay. Yeah. And, uh, uh, one company is called uh, Farm Culture. I think they've got a bunch of different products I'm interested in trying. So, and I've tried their their um, sauerkraut is really good. So, do you find that just at a regular grocery store? Mm-hmm. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I mean it's everywhere now. You can find it anywhere. Any, I mean, I've gone to Kroger and found it on the shelf. So, awesome. Yeah, and you can also find these things at the health food stores, and you know, and you can make them at home. So, I think fermented foods are are awesome yeah, and delicious. I'm not delicious. growing anything on my countertops, but <laughs> I'm gonna let you live. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. I'll bring you some of my kimchi when I'm Now, I will stuff. eat it yeah. all day long. Yeah. Kimchi, I love kimchi. I love kimchi, too. Yeah. And it's a great one. It's fermented vegetable. So, I have some in my fridge now, but I, I guess it's probably not live because it's in a jar. I just got it at the grocery store. Yeah. If it was on the, if it's a shelf-stable product, it no, probably. No, it was refrigerated. Oh, then it might be fine. Okay. Yeah, just look at it and see. And in fact, it probably will say on the label whether it contains live and active cultures. Okay. But that's we'll what you want to look for. When you're buying probiotic foods, you want to look for live and active cultures because that's how you know. Mm-hmm. So whether it's fermented vegetables or it's yogurt, you know, that's how you're going to know. And, and, I, and I will say too, like if it's, if it's frozen yogurt, not probiotic. <laughs> frozen yogurt is ice cream though, right? <laughs> pretty much pretty much uh so that's a fun one i really am, am super excited to see fermented vegetables and probiotics really high on the list um the other thing i'm seeing everywhere is cbd oil like i am seeing cbd oil in every single thing everywhere i look all over the place in the media and um you know one thing i would say is like a lot of times if you see something that's that big of a deal you kind of got to be just a little bit skeptical because if it's that sensational, like I wonder to myself, is that really a real deal? If it's too good to be true, is it really true? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, I have been seeing, I was surprised to see an ad for CBD infusions in a pretty, like a food magazine. Uh-huh. I was shocked. Infusions? Yeah. Like in your vein? I- no, no, no. Infusions into sauces and things. Oh, oh. Okay. What, what, like, what? No. No. <laughs> what kind of magazine are you reading? No. No. Yeah. A food magazine. Well, it's a magazine that's geared toward restaurateurs. Okay, but. yeah. So I think, you know, I think it's very trendy and I think it's really interesting. I think, um, you know, there's some research on CBD in a couple of different and several different conditions, like medical conditions. And I think the research is still emerging in those areas and whether or not it's really as effective as it as it maybe will be someday you know there's always one of the things i think is really important for people to understand when it comes to health and medicine and is that the dose makes the poison but the dose also makes the medicine mm-hmm. right so the dose is so important in all of these areas so whether it's cbd or even probiotics as we were talking about when we think about the benefit of these products it's really tied to a specific dose usually in a specific population mm-hmm. so whether or not cbd oil is some magic elixir that we're going to you know be able to buy on the shelf and suddenly we all feel 
feel better, we're not depressed, and we are relaxing, and we're sleeping better, and we're not so stressed. I'm not buying that. I mean, I really think that there are a whole lot of things that go into our stress levels and our sleep, and whether, and I don't think there's something we can buy off the shelf that's going to suddenly make all of that better. Is it something that's going to contribute to good health? Maybe. I mean, I think that's certainly possible. One of the um, one of the things, though, that I find is interesting around CBD oil is that it's not, it appears anyway, from what I've seen on uh, in my reading, that it's not being super well regulated yet, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, I know that a lot of people hear regulation and they're like, all of a sudden, oh, I don't want you to tell me what, but, but the good thing about regulation is it ensures, um, it ensures consistency, consistency and- right, and that we're getting what we're paying for. Right. If I say if you say to me that you're providing me with a certain amount of CBD oil in a product at a certain purity level, then I need to be able to be sure that that's true. Not just because you tell me that. Right. 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 Because you've got a little bit of a perverse incentive. You're trying to sell me a product. <laughs> right. Trying to make money. Right. So, <laughs> so not that there's anything wrong with making money, but mm-hmm. your, your goal is not to make me healthy. Your goal is to make a buck. So I think, you know, I'm always skeptical about that. And I think people should be, especially right now, because the regulation level is really low. And that means that the fraud level is really high. Yeah. Potentially really high. It doesn't mean that they're, everybody's lying. It just means there's the potential. There's a lot of potential for fraud. Is there anything that you've seen that supposedly CBD can treat that you found interesting enough for you to try it? No, I mean, I don't have any, no, I don't think so. I think, I do think, I think that um, I am interested in the, in the issue of depression, not because I have depression, Mm -hmm. but because I, you know, not that I would be afraid to admit it if I did, but I think that there are a lot of people who struggle with depression and it's poorly treated, Mm. right? And so medications aren't always effective. Sometimes the side effects of medications are really, um, really poorly tolerated. And I think that, that we really have a huge issue of depression in our country that's, that's not well treated. So if we could come up with something that does provide a significant amount of benefit for people. I want to know what that is, you know? So, Oh, turning off the news will help. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to sleep, right? What I'm saying about sleep is like, there's not one thing, right? So, I mean, yeah. I mean, when we, when it comes to depression, definitely like filtering your media, making sure not spending too much time in front of a screen, increasing your exercise, increasing the good fats in your diet, reducing the amount of processed foods that you're eating. You know, there are some things that I think we can do that don't involve any medication that are good for you anyway. (laughs) Even if they don't get rid of your depression, they're still going to be good for you. So I, I think, you know, for me, I'm not the kind of person who's looking for a magic bullet for Mm -hmm. any particular condition, but I know that there are a lot of people who are, and that's why I think this kind of thing becomes so attractive. Yeah. I think I saw, I don't know if it was 60 minutes or another new show like that. They did um, a show about CBD and the way that it's used to treat epilepsy. And that was pretty compelling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there, I think that, you know, when it comes to epilepsy and I worked in a pediatric hospital and one of the the areas I covered was in um, neurology. Mm. So I worked with a lot of families who had children who had, you know, intractable epilepsy is Mm -hmm. what it's called when you cannot control these seizures. And 
it's heartbreaking. Like hundred seizures a day. Yeah, just totally constantly. debilitating. Yes. These children cannot go to school. They cannot, usually they can't feed themselves. They can't have a normal life because they, they're constantly having seizures. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, you know, if I was one of those parents, I would do anything anything. I would try anything. And they do. I mean, these parents do. They try everything. And, you know, I think it is interesting to see that CBD oil has had some effect. Again, thinking about the dose, though. Yeah. You know, it's about dose and purity and finding the right products. And I don't think you can buy that on the shelf. Right. So I think, you know, for people who have seizures or who have medical conditions, if they're looking for if they're looking for a treatment and CBD oil is something they're considering, they need to talk to their doctor and they need to find out from their doctor what the research says on their specific condition and whether or not this is going to be a good option for them and then how they can find the product that they need. You know, it's interesting to know that CBD oil is still not legal, I don't think, federally. Wow. So even though, you know, it is legal in some states. Does it fall under medical marijuana? I think or? it does. Okay. I'm not a legal expert, but I, you know, from what I've read, it's not legal federally, even though it's still, we're seeing it in a lot of different places and products. It can't be used in dietary supplements, I don't think yet, even though we might be starting to see it pop up in some of those places. You know, the legal status on this is still really um, gray. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's where I think the, the issues of, um, of regulation and that affects maybe the quality of what we're getting into the market. So I think there are a lot of questions still. It's interesting and I think it's trendy and we'll see some more, some more research on it for sure. No question. We're going to see more research on it. Um, I think one other thing I would encourage people to consider is that just because it's natural or it sounds natural doesn't mean it's healthy, right? (laughs) Arsenic is natural (laughs) and it's not healthy and, you know, too high a dose. So that's something to consider, too, is, you know, promising, yes. Interesting, yes. Definitive, not yet. So no magic bullet there either. No. The next one is your topic that you See, I thought that you were going to say keto (laughs) just because of everything that's been going on in the news with, you know, my favorite trainer. I love Jillian. Oh, yes. But she's gotten a lot of backlash recently about her statements about the ketogenic diet. Right. So tell me what she said. Oh my God. <laughs> Basically, that it's not the best diet. It's very high in animal animal proteins and you really should be eating more plant-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, um, I don't remember specifically, I said, but. <laughs> I think she said, I might be quoting her wrong. That's why I wanted you to. <laughs> uh, but I think she said, why would anyone think this was healthy? <laughs> I think that's what she said that got her in so much hot water. So, okay, so the ketogenic diet, for those of you who are not familiar with it, this is a high-fat, high-animal foods diet that's low in carbohydrates, essentially, yes? almost no carbohydrates, moderate protein, very high-fat. Yes. And so the ketogenic diet, you know, we were just talking about seizures. Interestingly, the ketogenic diet was developed for children who have intractable epilepsy, so seizures that cannot be controlled with medication or surgery. And so they um, so they treat these kids with the ketogenic diet. And I saw this firsthand when I worked in peds. And it is effective in a percentage of the population, those kids who have this 
seizure disorder that cannot be controlled any other way, put them on this super high fat, low carb diet, and for some reason it changes the way that the brain works and it stops these these seizures in some children. It's not effective in every child. Hmm. It's also very difficult in the clinical, even in a clinical environment where they've got constant support from a registered dietitian who's trained in this, it's very difficult to do it. And many families just can't do it long term. It's so hard. It's uh, it's a hard diet to stick it's to. It's very yes. hard. Yeah. So I did it myself for uh-huh. N equals um, one. <laughs> N equals one. Well, you know, I am looking for the way of eating that's going to best support the body that I want to have. Right. Um, and so I'd kind of been doing a Mediterranean diet for about the first six months of the year last year, um, and got really intrigued by everything I was hearing about the ketogenic diet. You know, oh, you're going to lose like three pounds of three pounds a week and you're never going to be hungry. Your brain fog's going to go away and, you know, your hair's going to be shiny and long and all these other things that are going to happen <laughs> if you eat this way. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. Um, what I was most curious about was also how it was going to affect my health markers. <laughs> so I did it for three months right before going for my annual physical. So I could kind of see how it was going to affect the, my numbers. Um, and I, I will say, you know, as far as appetite suppressant, because I am a greedy person. I love food. Food is delicious. (laughs) I like copious amounts of it, (laughs) of really good food, like really delicious food I love. Um, So it it did work in kind of curbing my appetite. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing about it was, like, I would not be hungry but the moment that I was hungry, like I was, I'm going to kill a cow right now, yeah. hungry, and felt really nauseous and like very lightheaded. Um, and I just did not like that feeling. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have a lot of cravings for carbs, but I'm not a super, you know, carb craver anyway, other yeah. than sugar. I love sugar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the the scary thing was, well, I don't want to say scary, but so I go to the doctor, I'm healthy, all my numbers look good, um, my HDL, the healthy cholesterol, my, those numbers went up, they're always high, but it went up about seven points from last year. Which is not nothing. Which, yeah, yeah, I was happy with that. My doctor was happy with that. However, <laughs> I did get a call about my LDL, which increased over 70 points. Wow. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't know. I don't, I'm pretty sure that my LDL was not elevated before doing the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that for sure because I did not get those numbers tested, yeah. you know, the day before but the I started. the previous year. The previous not. year, it was not. It wasn't yeah. high at all. It was, yeah. you know, below 100. Mm-hmm. Everything looked great. And then this year it was up 70 points. Yeah. And did you lose weight? Uh, I lost a little weight, but, you know, nowhere near the level that was, you know, quote unquote promised. And yeah. nowhere, not that much different the rate was no different than the previous diet that I had been doing or right. way of eating that I had been um, practicing. Right. So I don't think it it really had that much of an impact yeah. on my weight loss. So I think that's a this is a this is a very interesting testimonial because it's but the other and side. it was one yeah, just me. But so is, so is almost everybody on the internet who's doing keto, right? <laughs> they're they're giving you their story. They're doing they're they're telling you their and equals yeah. one. And I think that your 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 testimonial really expresses what most dietitians and health professionals are concerned about, right? So a diet that's high in fat, high in animal products, that's low in the kinds of foods that we know are protective, like fruits and vegetables. 
vegetables and whole grains is is probably for most people going to result in exactly the kinds of things that you saw with the yeah. increased lipids increases the risk of cardiovascular disease over time um, doesn't necessarily provide the protection we want for cancer we don't know for sure because I don't know that there are long-term studies on cancer and keto I mean I think that would be interesting to know um, I, I mean I think that whether or not it will make help people lose weight to me is less important than what what it will do long term you know when I think about diets or eating for weight loss, you know, I always think about, and with all my clients, I always try to help them think about long term, what do you want? You know, if you're 20 pounds thinner, but you're, you know, you die faster or you're high, <laughs> you know, if you're at significantly increased risk for stroke and heart disease, yeah. how is that benefiting you you know you might like the way you look in a swimsuit but you might not make it to see your kid graduate you know right. I mean the, the, we have to think about these long terms and when I think about stroke too I think about you know what we we did a show on stroke and one of the things that stuck in my head was that stroke is the most common cause of long-term disability in our country you know so I want to live as long as I can as healthy as I can to the end of my life you know whatever that is whether I live one more year or 20 more years or 50 more years. I want to be as healthy as I can all the way to the end. And I think that the keto diet does not provide the nutrients just in general yeah. that you need in order to get there. You know, and kind of thinking about Jillian's statement, you know, I remember kind of being in the grocery store. I was traveling. I needed something um, that I could eat on the plane. Mm -hmm. And I bought, you know, a pack of pepperoni and a pack of cheese cubes. And really, as I'm sitting there eating this whole pack, because I ate the whole pack, a whole pack of pepperoni, because there's not very much volume to it. Right. So you have to eat the whole thing to get full. And like, is this, how can this be healthy? Yeah. How can it be healthy? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it that, was delicious, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so I think that any diet, so whether it's the ketogenic diet or another kind of diet, any diet that significantly restricts your consumption of fruits, vegetables, and whole grains is a, to me is a problem because mm. unless you have a specific reason to restrict any of those food groups, and there are very few people who do, you know, what we know is that a diet that's based on those food groups is going to provide the best long-term health for us. Yeah. And that's what we should be shooting for, right? And at the end of the day, you know, the reason you continued to lose weight is because you were eating less calories. Yeah. Because you were, you know, you were full and you were not eating as many calories. Right. So I'd eat a pack of pepperoni, but that may be the only thing I ate that day because I wasn't hungry yeah. again after that. Right. Exactly. And there's also some early research, and I don't think we have good research yet, but I've seen a little bit of research about um, about the effect on the microbiota. And so mm. I was talking earlier about the gut health, you know, gut health and the importance of that. And the, this diet or a diet that's high in fat has a very negative effect on the gut microbiota. And the reason is because you're not giving your gut bacteria enough of the prebiotic foods that they need in order to be healthy. So these yeah, fat and proteins. Yeah, definitely some... <laughs> 
tummy issues. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I put this delicately? There yeah. were definitely some tummy issues, yeah. especially in the beginning. So. Yeah. So, so you know, constipation, flatulence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. lots of gas. These All are that. these are very. <laughs> that's what happens when you eat a diet like that. And so, you know, I think that that's something to consider and is is a very important component. So, you know, I get a lot of questions about why do why do these diets get so popular? Why are people so interested in this? Well, I mean, I think most people are interested in short term benefit. You know, we're we're, we want to look good in our swimsuit. We swim want suit. it now. Yeah. I've got three months to lose 80 pounds. <laughs> what do I need to do <laughs> to get the 80 pounds lose off? A leg. No. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that, you know, that's the thing is people people diet to look good. They don't diet to be healthy. Yeah. And that's why people make a lot of the choices they make at the grocery store. You know, we're choosing because we want to look good, not necessarily because we want to feel good. And I think that's something we have to reframe our thinking on. Yeah. And because you can look good and feel good at the same time, but not using these short-term kind of fixes. It just doesn't, it's not going to work. So I can't eat pepperoni in, in my 80s like that. <laughs> No. I don't know. I mean, I, I maybe, but probably not. <laughs> the statistics are not for that. <laughs> I'm a numbers girl when it comes to that. I mean, I think, you know, that they're definitely, you know, I've seen centenarians talk about, you know, and octogenarians talk about, you know, they're, the secret to good health is boiled potatoes and whiskey. I mean, I think genetics are a big part of how long we live. Yeah. But, the, but what we eat in our lifestyles are a big part of how well we live. Yeah, my grandmother is 105, and I don't think she's eaten a pepperoni. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think she knows what that tastes like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, I would never say don't ever eat a pepperoni, yeah. but I also would certainly say don't make that a major part of your diet. Okay. <laughs> uh, so speaking of diets, I mean, I think the second. But I did, I did, I did get some great recipes out of it okay. that I do still eat, you Good. know, things with a little cream in them yeah, are delicious. They are. I agree. And I, and I use fat in my food. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not anti-fat at all. I mean, I'm, I like food that tastes good. And I think fat adds flavor and texture. Mm -hmm. It's delicious. We also need it for some important things that our body does, like making hormones. And, you know, our cells are made up of, a lot of our cells are made up of fat. Phospholipids are fat-based. And we need them in order to be healthy and have healthy skin. But we don't need them in such high amounts. <laughs> so not 80% of our not diet. Not 80%. No. Okay. Mm-mm. So the other um, the other big diet trend I, I always like to talk about this time of the year because I think it's really fascinating is Whole30. So you know Whole30? I do. But Whole30 kind of looks like, I mean, if I'm looking at the uh, cover of the cookbooks for Whole30, mm-hmm. it looks very similar to the Mediterranean diet. It does, but they significantly restrict grains. Oh, right. Okay. So I think that they restrict grains. Not even beans. Grains are not beans are not grains. So you can oh, have some like rice. Actually, and... no. I think they do restrict legumes. I think you can't have legumes. Huh. I think you. I can't remember exactly. It's very similar to paleo, actually. Um, I think you're supposed to restrict dairy, sugar, alcohol. And grains for sure, maybe lagoons, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But at any rate, I know for sure the other things. So lagoons I'm not sure about, but the other things I'm sure about. And um, it's a problem. I think it's a problem. I think it's way better than a whole lot of other things. (laughs) What's the problem about it? The grain? That it restricts, yeah. I mean, you know, the grain. Oh, and the dairy. And the dairy. I mean, come on. I, I think that, you know... 
so I put this in kind of the same category as I put paleo because I think, and really it's an overall topic. It's not even just about whole 30 is I think that anything that, um, that you go on any diet that is a diet that is a temporary way of eating to me is kind of a problem because if you're not going to be able to do it long term how is it going to get you to the goal you want to get to right Mm. so someone might say well I only have five pounds I want to lose and I can lose it if I do whole 30 for a month or I I have to jump start my weight loss and so I'm going to do this for 30 days but then what happens on that 31st day (laughs) <laughs> you eat all the rice. All the- <laughs> you eat all the things, right? All the things you weren't allowed all to have things. with a bottle of wine. You know, <laughs> I have a dry January, but I have a very wet February. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think that's, that's this whole diet mentality is this thinking that I have to restrict myself so tightly so that I can control myself so that I can achieve this temporary goal. But what happens on that 31st day, you know? And and I think the other thing is, like, how does that make me feel inside about how yeah. I'm eating and how I'm treating my body and what I'm doing for myself? I think that, you know, the Whole30 is better than a whole lot of other ones. And it's not horrible. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not you're not going to kill yourself doing Whole30 at all. I mean, I think that there are some really great things about it. But I think that it can also result in some negative unintended negative consequences like what like this like this thinking about good and bad making food good and bad Mm -hmm. um making it difficult for you to eat with friends and family and Mm. enjoy the social aspects of food i think that it it vilifies foods that are not villains you know whole whole grains are not villains sugar's not even a villain it's not you can have sugar it's not it's not bad for you in and of itself it's again going back to dose the dose makes the poison right so overdosing on sugar is not good (laughs) but having a little bit of sugar is totally fine i have something sweet every day Every day I have something sweet and I'm not going to give that up because I don't yeah. want to. I enjoy it and I don't have to. And neither do you. And I think that, you know, any diet that makes you feel like you have to give these things up in order to be good or be healthy is not a good thing. Yeah. So I picked up a book on Whole30 because I was like, I'm really looking for, you know, a way of eating a protocol. Um, and so I was looking at different diets and I, you know, Whole30 looks great and I picked it up. But I feel like I don't. it was probably the sugar. No, it was the dairy that did it for me. Mm. And I was like, uh, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Because I'm not going to not have cream or cheese or anything for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like I'm not even a big cheese eater, but I don't I don't want to tell myself that I can't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you you have such a balanced view of food and nutrition and you try lots of different things, but I think you're you're very critical about it. And I appreciate that so much about your approach. And I think that some people aren't, you know, we're not all that way. We don't all look at it really critically. And I think sometimes these these diets also create this sort of moral failing around Mm. whether you comply or you don't. You're successful or you fail. And eating is not like that. You're not failing or succeeding. It's just a meal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're going to eat again. We're going to start over. And the diet is not a religion. Right. There's no deity, no keto deity. Or Whole30 or what's another, like or all oh, organic people yes. sometimes feel, you know, yes. bad if they don't eat all organic food. There's no right. deity that's going to like punish you right. for not eating 
this way. Right. Yeah. And I think it, I think it, these, this kind of hypersensitivity toward, um, eating a certain way can create this, um, shame for, Uh, and I think that that is not healthy either. So, you know, the, what's the best diet? The one, the best diet is the one that you can do long-term that has the most positive benefits that you enjoy, that makes you feel good on the inside and the outside. You Mm -hmm. know, that if you, if the way that you're eating makes you feel bad about yourself, if you don't do it right, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And so, you know, I think that I think that you can try any of these things and some of them will work and some of them won't. And some will work for some people and they won't work for other people. And that's just the way it is. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, my desire for people is that they find the healthiest way of eating that supports health and is also enjoyable that they can do as long as they live. I think that's it. Yeah. And you know what that is? That's kind of what I'm seeking. What is it? What is it? It's the Mediterranean diet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm finding that to be true. Yeah. 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 And I I think, you know, 2019, um, the top diet rated by, I think, CNN, U.S. News and World Report, a whole bunch of, bunch of, bunch of experts was the Mediterranean diet. And, you know, and I think I told you this earlier is, you know, for 15 years or more, I have been a total proponent, sold out believer in the Mediterranean way of eating. And I think the reason is because... It is exactly what we've talked about, a very plant-based diet, lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts, nuts, seeds, Mm -hmm. good fats like avocado and olive oil, and it also contains seafood and some poultry, a little bit of red meat, so you don't have to give up any specific food Mm -hmm. if you don't want to, and um, you can even have a little wine. I mean, come on. It's delicious. It's the perfect <laughs> diet. It's the perfect way of eating. Now, is it going to result in um, super quick weight loss? Is it going to result in like you know magical fairies flying out of your orifices? No. I think what I've had to do is kind of reframe myself from thinking, you know, I have to get my weight off in a specific period of time, yeah, and just find a way of eating that allows me to, at some point in the future, my body is going to look the way that (laughs) I want it to. And it's, I mean, maybe it's two ounces one week and, you know, one ounce the next and divorcing myself from being um, married to whether or not I've gone down that week is really how I've had to reframe it. Yeah. I think that I think that that is, you know, so so confession for you here, too, is I have had a goal in my mind, too, of a weight that I wanted to get to. And I'm perfectly happy with my body. Don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong. But I have in my mind a number that like was a number that I was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why this number is in my head, but for some reason, maybe because it was on my driver's license for so many years. But oh, the to, weight on my driver's license yeah. is not my current weight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even <laughs> know what the number is. actually my on. goal weight. If oh. Think about it. <laughs> so you're already there, Dee. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, so recent. So actually, yesterday I was thinking. I was actually keep up with my um, fitness goals and a lot of things using an app. Uh-huh. Um, I have Fitbit on my wrist, right? Mm-hmm. So I use their app, and I like it. It's great. It's very basic. It's totally perfect for me. Um, anyway, it has like a weight goal. You can put your weight goal mm-hmm. in there. So I put a number in there that that number that I mentioned. Um, and yesterday I was looking at it, checking, you know, kind of how I'm, and I saw the number and I was like, why is that number there? <laughs> I, I, I like, I guess I've had it in the back of my mind and it's been there and I changed the number. 
Awesome. To like the number I'm at now. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> right now like I feel great I enjoy my body the way that it is I eat the food that I want I love the food that I eat I don't want to change the way that I eat I'm not going to give up those sweet things Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stop putting cream in my coffee Mm -hmm. there I'm not going to give up these things that I I could do it I know how to do it I'm a dietitian I know how to do it I could make those little changes how are you going to feel yeah one getting there right and two are you going to want to do those things that it takes to get there right. for the rest of your life. No, I don't want to give yeah, up cream in my coffee. It's going to be a hard pass for me. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not going to stop baking cookies with my son. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop celebrating Friday night with pizza and my family. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop having a glass of wine when I want to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do those things. Those extra few ca- fruit pounds that I'm carrying beyond whatever that number was. Those. Those are the fun calories. Mm-hmm. Those are the pounds that represent enjoying my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to stop doing that. I'm just not going to. Ain't going to do it. Ain't gonna, <laughs> see, just, this is my year of no, and I just said no to that number. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> no, That's so awesome. Good. It feels good. As you think about the, the way to eat, also think about what your goal is. Is your goal really a realistic goal? And if it's... A realistic goal, keep it. If it's not a realistic goal, if it's not a number you're willing to sacrifice to get to, then maybe you need to change that number. Mm-hmm. Maybe the number needs to be a little bit different. And if you get below that and, you know, you're happy, you're doing all the things that make you happy and you get below that, okay, great. But if you don't, then okay, that's great too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Mediterranean diet is the top pick. I think it's the best (laughs) way to eat. Um, You know, there are great resources out there on the Mediterranean diet. I'll put some on our website so that, you know, people have access to it. They can, if they have questions, they can explore. There's a really good, there's an organization out there called Old Ways um, that has really great information, including a Mediterranean diet pyramid and some really simple, like, um, eating plans and menu plans and things like that, that I really like. And it's free. So, you know, free is good. Um, I like, I like that a lot. We were also kind of talking earlier about sometimes the Mediterranean diet can seem a bit intimidating because there's like a lot of prep and, and you mentioned something about a 30 minutes. Yeah. So some dietitians I know, um, Deanna Seagraves Daly and, um, Sabrina Ball, uh, wrote a book and it was just, just came out, I think at the end of 2018, it's called 30 minute, 30-Minute Mediterranean Diet Cookbook. Mm -hmm. And it has great information at the beginning about what is the Mediterranean diet? What does it mean? How do I buy shop for that? You know, what does that look like? And then also some really fantastic, easy recipes. So for people who want to try it, I think it's a great cookbook. It's it's, um, available on Amazon and probably all kinds of places where you can buy cookbooks. But Mm -hmm. I love that. And and you can follow them. You can find them on social media. Um, They have really good information. And there are a number of great resources out there. There's a Mediterranean Diet Cookbook book for dummies you know if you want something really simple that's a good place to start and then there are really complicated ones too Mm -hmm. you know you can get as fancy as you want to and you know mediterranean food is really diverse you know we say like the mediterranean diet but it's really a diverse combination of foods from like north africa all the way to you know um spain and um 
Spanish influence and uh, Italian and you know so it's it's not in the Middle Eastern too it's mm-hmm. it's these are very different kinds of foods so if you think to yourself like I don't think I'll like that food you are wrong because, <laughs> because you'll like some of it from like somewhere some of it. yeah there are too there's too much variety in that way of eating for you not to find some things that you really like and even if you think to yourself I don't like beans well you haven't had them enough different ways trust me <laughs> yeah beans are amazing I, I used to them. say that I didn't like chickpeas oh yeah I love chickpeas. Yay. I just didn't like them straight out the can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I needed them. Cold off the salad bar? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. They're like don't so like hard. <laughs> oh my God. But chickpeas are like, can be the creamiest. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Try it a different way. You don't yeah. like it? Try it a different way. Exactly. This is what I tell my son all the time, you know, because he's like, doesn't like everything right now <laughs> that I like to cook. And so I'm, I'm trying to cook things in all the different ways and reminding mm-hmm. him that, you know, you haven't tried it like this yet. You haven't tried it with the spice. You haven't tried this and that. And, you know, I, that's what I would say to people too, who say like, well, I don't, I don't like fruits and vegetables. Well, you haven't had enough of them because mm-hmm. there are way too many different kinds of fruits and vegetables for you to say that you don't like fruits and vegetables. There are too many different ones. Too many different ones and too many different ways to prepare right. them. I remember like, you know, I was a vegetarian as a teenager. I'm not a vegetarian anymore, but uh, when I was a teenager, I was a vegetarian for a while. And I remember somebody asking me like, how can you get full eating fruits and vegetables? And I just looked at them like they were kind of crazy because I thought to myself, like there are so many fruits and vegetables and I can combine them in so many different ways. And even as a teenager, I recognize that. See, future dietitian right here. Absolutely. Because I'm thinking, you know, as a teenager, I probably thought there were like green beans, Brussels sprouts, beets, lettuce, carrots, celery. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have thought of, I feel like I tried to be vegetarian for about a week. Yeah. And it was like, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Hey, I wasn't the best eater. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I still loved my macaroni and cheese out the box and all those (laughs) things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, I mean, I was not the healthiest necessarily vegetarian out there, but I was trying and I was definitely um, trying new things. So, so all that said, I mean, I think that that's a great place to start. If you're looking for a healthy way to eat, that's what I would recommend for the vast majority of people. And you can find more information about that on our website at southernfriednutrition.com where I'll have the links to the things we've talked about. And um, definitely we look forward to connecting with you guys during this year as you're working on your health goals and we're trying to share some really exciting things with you. I hope that you'll listen to every single episode. If you missed last season, go back. Listen <laughs> to season one. There were some exciting and fun and hysterical topics. I know that you'll enjoy it and share it with a friend. And if you haven't rated the show yet, please do that because that helps other people find us when they're looking for shows about health and nutrition. So those are our hot topics for today, for 2019. (laughs) 2019. (laughs) And as we close the show today, here is the question we always close the show with, and that is what is the one thing you're going to do to be healthier today? Well, I am nursing a little cold, so I am going to go home. I'm going to wrap up in a blanket. I'm going to get some lemon honey ginger tea. Love it. And do nothing after Uh, that. (laughs) Good. That's good. Lots of fluids. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rest is the king, I think, when it comes to being recovering from illness. So I'm glad you're going to do that. Thanks for hanging with us. Nobody would have known that you had a cold. You were amazing. (laughs) I think for me. Yeah, there you go. Drugs. I think I'm 
don't do drugs. But I think that the, the, you know, the thing I'm going to do to be healthier today is get moving. So um, we have built recently, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you may have seen me posting a little bit about this. We've created a new home gym and it's rainy and kind of yucky outside. So I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get outside and exercise, but I can work out in my new gym. <laughs> so I'm going to exercise, get some exercise um, and feel better because I've done that. Awesome. So, yeah. All right, girlfriends. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of season two. We are so happy to have you. We hope that you'll stay connected with us on Facebook and on uh, on the web. And send us an email if you've got some suggestions for the show or questions or if there's anything we can do to help you live healthier. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, y'all.